0: Welcome back to Created for Connection. In this episode, Paul and I focus on the idea of distractions. We were created to live in the here and now, and that is what we want to do as we engage in relationships with the people around us. It's through relationships that we find the present moment to be fulfilling and life-giving. And Today, we focus on ideas and tips on how to help you as a leader find connections that will keep you in the here and now. So sit back, listen in, and remember, you are not alone. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Created for Connection. I'm your host, Kevin Shelby, and I'm here with my co-host, Paul McMullen, and we are excited to... Uh, dive into some more um, some more topics today with you, just about the idea of connection, and we're looking forward to sharing some new ideas that we've had. I'm going to let Paul say a few words, and then we'll get into our topic for today.
1: Yeah, I really was just kind of tired of interviewing people, so I just thought, let's just do something different today, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, it's, uh, it's post-Memorial Day. We should tell everybody, you know, how, how was your Memorial Day, Kevin?
0: Man, mine was good. Um, we went to the lake for the weekend, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, but I came home super tired. And then we went to see the Grizzlies play on Monday night. So we drove straight in to Memphis we came home. We had like 45 minutes to change and go back. And the game started at 830. So we didn't get home till midnight. Ooh! And it was a blast, but they lost as people probably know. And um, anyways, so I've been just playing catch up all week trying to trying to get rested.
1: Yeah, I hear you. We uh, we stayed up and watched the Mavericks play uh and people may not know i'm in dallas texas here in memphis tennessee so there you go and dallas pulled off a victory against the clippers again they've won three in la and then they lost two at home so it's a weird it's a strange series so um does it look like they're going to take the series usually the team that can win game five uh, statistically wins the series uh so you know, maybe they'll come back to Dallas and lose another one, and then they'll win game seven in LA, but uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, we've been playing catch up as well. Uh, it's funny to think of, you know, on a podcast when people don't necessarily listen to it <laughs> the, the day or the, the week that you record it, they could listen to it anytime. And they're like, why are they talking about Memorial Day? But <laughs> there you go. Um, so, you no, know, after after you, the interview with you last time, Kevin, it really stirred up a whole lot of questions. I think there was so many different things that you talked about from your story uh, that can be really helpful. Um, and, and specifically, you talked about anxiety, but then we kind of leaned into the end of just talking about what does it look like uh, to, to wrestle with all sorts of things um, in, in our in our lives, in our role as leaders, in our homes, and all these areas that can lead to disconnection. Um, and you know, first I, I wanted to ask. You talked about distractions before uh, that keep us isolated. So, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about what you mean by uh, distractions?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, just as we were processing last week, it, the the thought came to mind that it would probably be important to maybe walk back through for our listeners kind of where our thinking is about different struggles that people have and and why we focus so much on connection. And so if yeah. you think about what the opposite of connection is, it's distraction. And one of the things that has been really helpful for me through the years of counseling and, and working with students to train them to do counseling is to try and think about what is the good longing that comes from us, you know, finding ourselves doing these things that we don't want to be doing, doing these things that we know are sometimes harmful or pull us away from what we know we want ultimately, and that is to be connected with others.
1: So you mentioned, so you said a good longing, and then you talk about these things that are, un, uh, that are hurtful um, with us. So it sounds like the two wouldn't go together. Why? How are these good longings if it leads into hurtful things?
0: So I think underneath our um, our desire for connection is is that we need people, which I think we're going to talk about more here in a little bit. But that we need to be in relationship in deep relationship that's safe and we feel like we belong with others. And when we're not experiencing that, often we find ourselves then turning to behaviors, coping strategies, addictions, things like that, that end up actually causing more isolation. And so that there's a big question mark there. Why why would we do that? How does that make sense of human beings in general to, to be looking for something, but actually engaging in behaviors that gives them the exact opposite. And so in zeroing in on this idea of distraction, you know, I think that there is something that pushes us towards that, that we have not explored. We label distraction as negative. And so a lot of things that we put in that category kind of get pushed into this avoid at all costs type stuff. A, A good example of this would be You know, I hear a lot of people say, I just, you know, I just find myself surfing on Facebook and, you know, I'll lose hours looking at Facebook or I play Candy Crush or, you know, I drink too much at night or I, you know, find myself when I get really stressed, I turn to porn or, you know, a host of other things that people will do that that end up kind of pulling them away, seemingly, and we, we label it as a distraction or an unhealthy coping skill.
1: So you're, you're labeling any distraction as something that we are doing to cope or to uh, feel, um, just feel better, to kind of relax, and, and that could run from games on our phone to addictions. So any of those you're, you're putting in the distraction category.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And so I know some people are like, well, those are categorically different things. And um, I would say just hang with me as I kind of explore my thought process behind this. And I, I, I would say that some things are more harmful than others probably, but all of them are a symptom of, of us needing something that we're not getting. So that's what we turn to instead, Right. And so if you, if you look at what scripture has to say about anxiety and other things that are kind of pulling our attention away from the Lord, attention away from people in our lives, always the, um, the reflection is to not worry about things in the future, to not let things that we are concerned about happening or we don't have any control over, don't let those things pull us away, but to stay in today. And I mean, we hear that, we hear Jesus say that, you know, very specifically, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's, tomorrow's going to take care of itself. Worry about today. And what I think Jesus is saying is you were created. You were designed to be present in the here and now. Mm. Mm. and that that is such an important underlying idea in what i'm about to talk about that i i I can't overstate how much we need to emphasize our need to be oriented
1: in the present moment and it makes me think uh kevin i feel like our technology our our phones in particular are um a constant source of disconnection. I worked at a job where uh, I would go in for a lunch break and um, nine times out of 10, people, everybody in the room is looking down at their phone while they eat. And then there would be a TV on in the background and something funny might pop up and everybody kind of looks away from their phone, looks up, maybe laughs a little bit and then goes right back down to their phone. And it was, it was like pulling teeth to have a conversation and um, it was easier just to sit there and look at your phone than it was to try to make conversation and pull people away from those devices. So um, anyway, I just think that that's a problem, Um, but that that's more specific than what we're, we're getting into at the moment. But it just reminds me of that. No, I think that is, I I actually
0: think that's really on point with, with where I'm headed with this and. You know, I mean, you go to a restaurant, you can look around, and you've got whole families that are sitting at a restaurant out to a meal together, and you've got half the people or all of the people on a device. They're distracted. You know, you've got kids that are screaming and crying, and parents hand over a phone for them to watch a show. You know, and um, guilty. Yeah, yeah, I've done it before too. And so I, I think though that it's, it's a it's something that's indicative of our culture because we have such ready access to something that's pretty effective at, at getting us what we think we need mm. and, and actually what we're, what we're longing for. And I think that, that that, thing is to be oriented in the here and now. So if we think about it this way, we're, we were created to be in relationship. In fact, we've, you know, kind of underscored that in the Genesis story, Adam and Eve were created as separate beings to reflect the image of God together, right? And that, that God knew that it wasn't good for man to be alone. And so, so Eve is created so that he has this partner in relationship with him, which tells us that we are relational people.
1: Right. And even more than that, Kevin, I think that we are created with limitation, um, I've heard somebody say before. You know, you look at the Genesis story, and it's kind of a, a nice spiritual thing to say. To say it's just, all I need is God, uh, just me and God, and I can make it. And there's there's a degree of truth to uh, to that. That God is what we need ultimately. But God looks at Adam in Genesis two, and you know they they have each other so to speak you know like uh, adam is not alone in the sense that the creator is with with him um there's the other created beings and god says it's not good for man to be alone so what if i said you know to you it's not enough for it to be just you and god that you weren't made that way uh you actually needed you need other people to be created to be whole
0: Yeah, I mean, I I would say that I don't see relationship as unilateral. Like, I don't make distinction between us in our relationship with God and us in our relationship with others. Like, I think God uses other people as part of our relationship with him to connect with us. He also shows us his nature by other people and how they react to us and how they love us. So there's things that we're learning as we play out our relationships with the people around us about God, there's things that we're learning from our relationship with God about other people and who they are, right? And how they were designed to be. And there's things that we're learning about ourselves. So I, I would say that, that, you know, the equation can't have any missing element to it. Yeah, there's three. The, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the equation has to have all the ingredients for it to play out as us feeling like connected people. Mm. And, and, and so there is a, I think, woven into the fabric of who we are, is yeah. a need for others, a need for other human people to be in relationship with us.
1: And don't you think that that we could say, okay, we have that need, and we could say, okay, I need friends or, you know, I need family. And there's that sort of need as in, I just need relationships in general. But we've talked about like need as in we have needs, you know, in, in terms of we have something in us that, that needs help. Like we need support. We need, um, um, we need others to help us grow. So is that another factor where like, we're, Um, We have a need for relationship, but we also have a need for the help of others to be able to survive. Absolutely. I mean, if if you look at babies,
0: when babies are born, if you leave them alone, you meet all of their basic needs of hunger, thirst, their diapers are changed, but you don't touch them. They will go into what's called failure to thrive. If they don't have that human connection that we,
1: we were designed to have, then they will die. Wow. And, you know, I'm thinking about all the uh, adults out there who, for like a year now, um, maybe not so much the last couple months, but for a year didn't touch anybody. And what, do you, what that did to our psyche as people?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the statistics and there's no doubt that it impacted people, you know, anxiety's up, depression's up. Um, you know, mental health needs are, are skyrocketing right now. Mm. And, and we're not prepared for it. Um, yeah. I mean, relationships are, you know, marriages are a wreck right now. Not all marriages, but a lot of them are because people were forced to look at each other and see things that they had been distracted from before. But, you know, to get back, using that to kind of get back to this idea of us needing to be in the here and now, but we have these distractions in our life. I think what those distractions are, are they're essentially the things that we find that are most effective at keeping us in the here and now. They're just isolated. Um, they're, they're isolated things that we engage in. So,
1: if I pick up my phone and um, I will confess to some of my favorite phone games, uh, Clash Royale and Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, I'm a, I'm a real nerd. <laughs> um, so I am uh, in those times where the kids are yelling, not that my kids would ever yell and fight, but let's just imagine that they were yelling and fighting and I'm, you know, I am maybe it's not the best day with julie my wife and um you know it's been a tough day for work related stuff and i'm just like i just sit down and i turn on the phone and i just try to block everything out with one of my games what how is that helping me be in the moment but not with people how explain some of that to me
0: yeah so um so for oriented in the here and now or we're designed to be Uh, usually we're going to gravitate towards the, the coping things that help us to not be projecting into the future or reflecting on the past or hearing those messages that might be playing in the background. They are, they're numbing us from those things. And so therefore we're able to just be living in the moment, you know, playing the game or distracted with, um, you know, looking at images that we, you know, we don't want to look at, but we we find ourselves looking at anyways because of the exhilaration that it brings and the excitement that we feel. It it keeps us, it prevents us from going to those places that we're trying to avoid, that we don't want to have to see or don't want to have to think about.
1: So it, it hits me that we're not only disconnected from others at that time but there's a little bit of a disconnection internally too, right? Like we're not fully present, like we're present in one sense. We're, we're hitting some of the, we're getting some of the dopamines or the other uh, neurochemicals that we need, which I, I want you to talk about for a second, but um, we were also kind of on autopilot, right?
0: Yeah. So um, interestingly enough, when you look at what neurotransmitters are Uh, impacted by using different types of drugs, or alcohol or porn. Um, Actually, people looking at porn in their brain mimics what happens in the brain when somebody takes a snort of cocaine. So, um, so those things actually hit the same neurotransmitters that we that we are flooded with when we experience connection in relationship. So it's sort of this false sense of connection. We don't, we're not sitting here thinking, oh, I'm feeling so connected in relationship. We just know that there's some underlying basic brain chemistry need being met by engaging in those types of behaviors that have to do with relationship. It's, it's a stopgap where I don't have to go to relationships to get that chemical experience in my brain. Mm. Which is really interesting to me that that relationships are really the only vehicle that naturally allow that flood of serotonin and dopamine um, in our bodies and norepinephrine to that, that allow us to feel that deeper sense of connection that we're longing for.
1: And do you think, Kevin, because I think um, also in terms of spiritual practices of prayer and worship that do you think we were also designed in some way to um, for some of those needs to be met in that sense? Like there's a, uh, and and I'm not just talking about expressive forms of worship, but there is something to be said of like, there's, when you, when you pour yourself out in prayer or worship, something happens internally. That's, that feels like good. um, That you were made for that.
0: Yes. Yes. I mean, it would make sense that in those moments, spiritually, we're feeling connected to the Lord in a way that mm-hmm. we aren't just kind of when we're skipping along through the day, you know, it's a, it's an intentional practice to deepen our, our thought life and our heart and, and and allow that to be pulled into the Lord in a way that, um, that you don't get just as you're walking down the road and you're not spending the time to center yourself in that relationship. And, but I think it still goes back to that connection that we're feeling, you know, you start to really feel a deep sense that the Lord is with you when you're doing those things. And I, Mm. I think the sense of, of being with another is really what we're longing for. And, and not just like alongside of another, but somebody who's sharing in those uh, deeper places of our heart with us.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to, bridge over to, um, particularly those in our, in kind of our, uh, our, our focus group of, uh, leadership positions, but, um, maybe this, maybe you can help us transition. Uh, I wanted to share a little bit of a story, um, about, uh, a group that I was in, uh, that were developing spiritual practices of prayer. Uh, Randy Harris, from uh, recently re- retired from Abilene Christian, uh, works with a group of leaders every year and kind of does this training. Um, and so a lot of it has to do with uh, different forms of contemplative prayer. And so I was in this group and um, in the winter of 2020 was the last time we met before COVID hit. And so we were practicing this prayer and at the same time, I had just left uh, a job uh, of six years with a, a church here. And so I, w- I would go into, we were about to meet, you know, and so in the weeks leading up to this, I would practice the types of contemplative prayer where I'm really being quiet and very be- and very much being present with the Lord. And I found that I couldn't do that for more than about a minute before I started crying. <laughs> And it just sounded kind of pathetic. And so we go, we show up at this training and uh, everybody's like, well, how was your experience practicing this prayer? And I'm like, uh, so a couple people share and I'm, I kind of hesitantly raise my hand. I'm like, um, does anybody else just start crying whenever they, <laughs> they, they practice the, the contemplative prayer for a few minutes? And um, most people uh, you know, graciously were, were not looking at me too weird but one guy was like, I know exactly what you mean. And he had trained a lot of leaders in prayer that um, had worked with a lot of different uh, anxiety issues and other issues where that stuff bubbled up when they were starting to be present. He said that all that stuff, once you start to be present with yourself and with God, um, there's going to be some, some things that, are, that you've pushed down that are going to start to bubble up. And that was happening to me. Um, so anyway, counsel me or whatever you want to do. But that, that story comes to mind.
0: Yeah, I think that when I'm listening to you talk about that, it, it kind of makes me think back to what we were talking about just a few minutes ago with needing to be oriented in the here and now, but having so much that that the present moment might uh, bring into our awareness that we quickly look for ways to not have to think about it or to not have to to sit with those things. Yeah. And um, and. And I would say that that is a great example of how relationships are so important in that process because given uh, given our own inabilities to really sort through some of that pain and difficulty and shame and those messages that we experience sometimes, when we don't have others who can help us process that, who we feel safe enough to share that with, then our only other option is to either let it, you know, sit with it, but then go crazy with it because we don't know what to do with it. If we did, we would have done whatever needed to be done, right? Right. We don't, right. Like we just want to sit in that pain and not do anything with it. Um, and yet we find ourselves going the opposite direction and, and looking for ways to be more disconnected when the path towards healing in those spaces in our lives is through connection with God and others. Yeah. And that, and that is actually what was designed to orient us appropriately in the here and now to orient us in the here and now in a way that is healing and good and brings joy. Um, Also, you know, helps us to process suffering I think that's why counseling is such an important thing that people can engage in, you know? Yeah. Um, But, but we need that. We don't, it's not like we just need it when we're about to go crazy and we think we're going to have to go to a psych hospital. We need it all the time. We need it so that we don't find ourselves continuing to look to the things that are never going to give us what we
1: want or what we need. That, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast with you is because we look out and we see, particularly in the church, and we see issues around burnout, we see issues around moral failure, and it's like, okay, now people know that they needed help, um, but what about before, and, it, and it's it's not just that I needed help because of this bad thing that was starting to bubble up, we needed help we as as leaders uh just speaking to that category we needed help the whole time we needed to be sharing life with each other at a depth where we can express um our hurts or what we're grieving um, where we feel uh, where we feel helpless where we feel limited and, and weak as well as the good things that we need people to celebrate with us and, and if we're not if we don't have a place to do that eventually that stuff is going to bubble up in what we're what you're talking about in the distraction uh, areas, whether they're fairly harmless distractions of, of, you know, using technology like a phone game or ones that are much more hurtful, like an affair.
0: Yeah. And Paul, you know, it reminds me recently, um, my youngest son, Zane, he's six years old and, um, and, Zane has had some challenges. We adopted Zane when he was um, three and a half and um, he, he had a hard beginning to his life. And, and um, there's a lot that we don't even know about, about his story. But um, recently Zane decided after a day of just kind of more significant challenges with us, he was having some behavior issues he was fighting with his siblings. Um, he, he was on the swing set with my youngest daughter, and he looked at her and he said, I don't want to be a Shelby anymore. I want to be a Sanders. Mm.
1: And Who are the Sanders?
0: The Sanders are um, my wife's sister's family.
1: Okay. And so
0: uh, his best friend is Connor, uh, their youngest son. And um, he's, he's about Zane's age. And so he wanted to go live with his best friend. And, um, and as we, we spent some time kind of talking with him about that, you know, he said, well, I just want to two brothers, I don't want sisters anymore. He was saying a lot of things that could be interpreted as kind of hurtful, but he stuck with this idea of I want to go live with them, I want to run away. So he starts packing his bags. Keep in mind, he's six years old and um, he's got a backpack and he's got his school stuff in another backpack and he's got a um, a laundry basket full of blankets and pillows and a picture of us. And, um, and he, he says, you know, we're, you know, I, I need to, I just need to go. I just need to go. So he walks out the door and You know, we have thought at different times to just let some of the natural course of things play out and that it'll turn out okay. Well, he starts walking down the road, and I'm like following him behind trees and cars and stuff like that. You know, I'm staying close, but making sure he doesn't know that I'm there. And this kid walks half a mile by himself Mm. with me following close behind. And he finally sits down in the front yard of, of somebody's house. That's way down the street. And, um, and so I call Melissa and I tell her, you know, bring the van. I think, I think he's given up. And she pulls up next to him and I kind of walk up and, um, and we think, okay, it's done, right? Like this thing's going to be done. Yeah. And I start taking the bags off of his shoulders to help him carry it. I'm thinking all this deep spiritual stuff like how the Lord, even when we walk away, wants to help us carry our baggage, you know, all that. That's right. You you are Jesus. I'm I'm just really trying to play it up in my mind of, of, uh, how far this is going to go for him. And I get all the bags off of him and I'm about to tell him, you know, it's time to go home. And he, he, he's got tears streaming down his face and he points at me and he says, dad, I'll see you at the family parties. (laughs) And he, what does that mean? Well, I mean, he, he thought he was still going to get to go live with his, his cousin and that they would he would get to see me still when we all got together for family parties. Okay, okay. And so I, after reflecting on that, I realized, you know, it's so interesting in light of what we're talking about that the power of wanting to feel connected is so strong that a six-year-old would walk half a mile and stay committed to the idea of getting to the person he feels closest to. Mm. And a lot of people listening might think, well man, why did you let him go that long? You know, gosh, what if he does it again? Believe me, I've walked through all of that stuff myself. I've already, you know, processed it and and questioned whether it was a mistake or not. Sure. But I do know that there is a good longing underneath that. And that is that he wants to experience that connection in a, in a day where he wasn't feeling connected. And that's something we have to be super intentional about, but I think that speaks not to a weakness in Zane. Yeah. But to how Zane is created as a human being to need to be connected to other people. And it's so important that we keep that in focus when we think about people in general, you know, that we all have this underlying longing to experience yeah. the, that depth in, in connection. And that is what we should be seeking. But too many times we frame it as a weakness and we want to tamp it down and push it aside and say, I'll wait to get that kind of connection on the day that I'm struggling and my marriage is on the line or you know, I'm, I'm so deep in an addiction. I don't know what to do. You know, being exposed is going to have catastrophic uh, problems for me in my life. We, we think that's the time to seek it out. And really, like you said earlier, we've needed it all along.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about that training in prayer that I was at, and I'm sitting at this room with, with guys that I look up to that, they're describing their own spiritual practices, and I'm like, man, I've got, <laughs> I've got a lot to learn from these guys. I wish that my life looked a little bit more like what theirs sounds like. And so, you know, when I'm, uh, when it's my turn, the feeling that I'm met with is shame. Like, am I going to really share that I am struggling with this practice? Am I going to really share that I, um, I find myself? In, in tears and grieving um, and don't understand it when other people seem to get it. And so I feel like there is the, the, the biggest um, uh, enemy to this sort of connection is some form of shame where I feel like to seek support, to admit need, um, instead of it being good, instead of it being part of how I've been created that leads me to connection that it's a it's a limitation it's a gap in how i made that leads me to connection with god and with other people instead i feel it as a lack i feel it as something that's bad and if i wouldn't have shared it on that instance which i've not i've done that many times where i haven't shared because of shame i wouldn't have got to talk to this this friend who helped me understand like i think that you're grieving uh, leaving this, this job and this community that you've been part of for many years. And so whenever you slow down and are really present, there's a lot that you need to work through. And because he'd been through that before, he was able to share that with me. And just talking to him about that, that met, that brought uh, deep comfort to me. I didn't feel alone and it helped me contextualize what I was experiencing. Uh, and, and then our relationship grew because of it. And so, um, but I could have easily just either made up something to pretend like, oh, I'm I'm like everybody else, or um, I could have uh, just kept quiet because uh, it, it felt shameful to admit that I I was not like everybody else.
0: Yeah, and and just so we're all on the same page, you know, when we talk about shame, shame is the message that that I am bad, that mm. that I I own the identity of of badness, or something's wrong with me, or something like that. Right, And um, that's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for us to see ourselves that way. And a lot of times people respond to shame with performance. So I'm going to perform better, I'm going to look better to other people, because if I can see that they accept me, then maybe I can accept myself. And that is actually the wrong way to go about managing shame. The only way to really manage shame to start to uh, challenge that message of I'm bad or, you know, there's something wrong with me is through vulnerability, right. through expressing that, that deep uh, feeling of weakness that we experience. And to have somebody look back at us and say, I, I love you and I accept you in the yeah. face. Not, wow, Paul, you really, your spiritual practices are better than everybody else's man. You know, you really are, you really are a, a, a spiritual juggernaut. And then you're going to walk away feeling better. No, you're going to walk away feeling like more of an imposter. Right. Which only further reinforces the shame.
1: Yeah instead of being known, which is the big question, if I'm known, this is the first podcast, if I'm known, will people really love me? Will they accept me? And that's the question that we're, we're living with and longing to hear a yes to. And, um, and, I, and I think it's just so important. I, can't, I don't know how to stress this enough that we're not just talking about shame around uh, big S sin in our life. Um, that is part of it. But again, all, often the sin is the distraction that is the result of neglecting the need. And so the neglect of the need is what's happening first. The need the need itself, the, the idea that we have lack, that we need help, that we need support, that we're not enough on our own, that is universal. And so again, we're, that's where um, people need to be addressing this before, the burnout before the crash, before the marriage falls apart. Um, And that's, that's, I think what we're really pushing for, because that's also, that's what we're living in, into you and I, like, that's what we want to do. We don't want to have to wait for that ultimate catastrophe to happen. Um, We want to take steps toward connection now. And I think, I think that's what God wants for everybody. That's uh, that's listening to this too. Like you can take steps towards connection you don't you can begin to build those relationships now. You don't have to wait uh, for this great uh, need and this, this huge problem to develop before you reach out for help.
0: Yeah, you know Paul, I think that that is, I mean, I love that point so much that the, the need and the neglect of the need comes first. and then the shame follows. That's so important. That I just i we can't just sweep over that and let you know not let people really camp there. i I hope that you will sit with that and pray through that about how you've neglected those spaces because when I think about connection, the way that I like to frame this is I think about core to core connection. So you know there's different layers to people, you know ogres have different layers, so do people um, mm-hmm. yeah like onions. Yeah. And so like, as you peel back the layers, there's, there's the first, the outer layer, and that's how we show up in the world that may or may not be authentic to who we really are, but it is at least who we have found people to think is most acceptable in the different spaces that we interact in. And then the layer below that are that those are our opinions or our beliefs about things. So usually we align ourselves with people who who believe some of the same things we do and value some of the same things we do. And if we're not careful, we camp there as our place of connection. That's where we go the deepest with like, who did you vote for? Or what do you believe about this theological issue? Or what do you believe about this political thing? Right. But that, that is not at the core of who we are. The core of who we are is made up of our wounds of our, Um, of our shame, it's made up of our desires and our dreams. Yeah. And when we find ourselves able to share those those places in us, that's when we really start connecting with people. That's when we truly start to be known. And when they share that back, that's when we have that core to core connection that we find healing in those places of woundedness in our life. And if we're not going there, if we're just saying, I've got deep relationships, but I'm only sharing what's safe to share, then we're never going to really experience that, you know, do you really love me and accept me like we need. Yeah. And when we do start sharing from those places, then we start to experience that. And then we start to recognize how much we actually needed that type of relationship.
1: Um i'm thinking about a group of people who who may have just who who's maybe had something happen um in their young adult life or in their teenage life and they've kind of just either believed or settled for it's never going to be safe to be known at that level or um uh I don't know, like, like people are stuck in that second level that you said about the onion um, or the ogre. And, and so um, we, we talked a little bit last time in your story about like how you can add structure to relationships in a way that can, that, that can be helpful like process groups or counseling or celebrate recovery. What um, in this conversation, what do you think are some baby steps that people can take that would help them move towards connection and towards whatever vulnerability looks like. So,
0: yeah, I mean, I think definitely to just reinforce that there's those formal spaces, but I think also you start to see real big gains when people can find a way to risk it in their everyday life, you know, to risk being known, even if it's just Um, a smaller wound or, you know, something that doesn't seem as significant, but you can share it with somebody and you watch them validate that in you and you know that they get it and you feel this sense of acceptance and love from them. Testing those waters with people is, is really important and trying to find relationships where you can start to experience that is, uh, is where it begins. And so sometimes that starts in counseling. Sometimes it starts in a process group, but then other times it starts with, you know, I'm at lunch with this friend and they seem like they've proven themselves to be a committed friend. And I feel like I can share this.
1: I wonder if it's, if it's kind of like fishing, like you, you, you kind of cast out with a little bit and you you put yourself out there a little bit and test the waters and see if there's a bite. You know, like is there some reciprocation here? Um, am I getting some of that relational need met in this in this conversation? And maybe maybe you don't. Maybe the person's the other person's just not into it, or they're too much into their their game on their phone or whatever. But I, I really think I, I even think prayer could be a part of it, where you pray and say, Lord, I need I need somebody to be here for me. Um, I need a little bit of a, a deeper relationship and could you, uh, could you bring me to that person? And then testing it out it doesn't have to be like dumping, you know, your biggest childhood trauma on them, but just like something a little bit deeper than normal and seeing how that goes, seeing how they respond. And if they respond with, with presence and support, and then maybe that could turn into something helpful. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that, um, just kind of generally looking back at our conversation today, encouraging people to find a way to risk, to risk being known is the first step. And a lot of times we get, we just kind of convince ourselves that it's not possible that I can't be, but I, I can promise you that there are spaces out there where you can be known. And, um, and it's going to be finding that place that helps you to start recognizing, okay, I don't need these distractions like I thought I did. And, and maybe even not, uh, not consciously, you're thinking about that, but you'll start to see those things fade away. I mean, I remember very vividly a conversation you and I had where you talked about um, how you went and climbed a mountain. And for several months after that experience, you didn't find yourself living into those distractions as much as you had before. In fact, you didn't have a desire for a distraction. You, you were enjoying the presence of, of your family and your kids and your friendships in a deeper and, and more real way. And I would imagine that it was in that climbing the mountain experience with others and the connection that you experienced there on a really deep level that carried out into your relationships for the month swallowing. And that's the kind of stuff that, that we're asking you to look for if you find yourself feeling isolated and distracted. So Paul, I have really enjoyed our conversation today. I think it's been really good. Hopefully it's helpful to our listeners. It's helpful to me to talk about these things and um, yeah, me too. Appreciate your thoughts on this.
1: So yeah, me too. And I, I just think, um, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that um, this could be really refreshing uh, for you to, to start thinking about and practicing as, as Kevin's invited you into that. And we really want to explore this with you. And so I think, um, you know, the, there may be ways that, that we can start to hear stories, Kevin, um, of, of people that have been in isolation and they're, they're finding connection And I'd love to find ways to highlight that as part of our podcast.
0: Me too. And Paul, you've mentioned Ephesians 4. And I just, I want to encourage our listeners to go in light of our conversation and read Ephesians 4 and reflect on it from this perspective of connection and our need for community. Because I don't want that to get missed in the conversation. but. Thank you everybody for listening in today and um, we look forward to um, hearing your responses. Uh, we have been overwhelmed by the people that have listened in and given us feedback and, and we do want feedback to hear what are some topics that you would like for us to discuss. Um, and if you have a story and you want to share that, uh, we'd love to hear that from you. So. Um, we invite you to connect with us too along the way. And, and we would love to, to be a part of your journey. So have a great day. And uh, it was great to, to sit with you today, Paul. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks, Kevin. Bye, everybody.
0: Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you enjoyed this conversation that Paul and I had about the distractions that we find ourselves pouring our lives into and yet never finding what it is we're actually looking for in those places. I pray that you will find spaces that you can connect and that you can open up in those places of deep struggle and also deep need with the people in your life, if not, please reach out to us. We have resources available to you. We would love to hear from you. Our information will be in the show notes so that you can contact us should you need any help from me or Paul. I hope you have a great day and I want you to remember you are not alone.